What's going on, everybody? This is new coverage where we give flowers and control the narrative, continuing our week by week uh, preview of Big Ten teams. Last week was Rutgers. If you haven't checked that out, please go check it out. It's a really dope episode. Uh, this week, we're making our way west, headed to Maryland now. Um, just a recap of their season last year, 15 and 17 uh, overall. 7-13 in the league, finished 10th place. Uh, the biggest highlight of their season was uh, Mark Turgeon uh, unexpectedly uh, stepping down in December. Danny Manning obviously took over. Um, you know, they had their ups and downs, a lot of downs, you know, uh, compared to what uh, Maryland fans are used to. Um, lost in the first round to Michigan State in the Big Ten tourney. They're losing 30 points per game in their backcourt backcourt with Eric Ayala and Fast Russell. And then obviously hired Kevin Willard uh, in the offseason as their new head coach, um, who has a ton of DMV ties. So I know Maryland fans are excited about that. Um, they also did lose seven scholarship players. Uh, get, get a good core three in their front court. Um, we'll touch on that a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I will ask you, Rafael, just off the jump, what are your just kind of initial thoughts of how Maryland performed last year and, uh, and kind of just looking forward to this season, you know, that core three with Dante Scott, uh, Julian Reese and Hakeem Hart that are returning. What do you see, uh, ways that they need to improve going into this upcoming season? <laughs> I got to chuckling because you said the biggest highlight of their season was Turgeon leaving. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but no, like you said, they're losing a ton of scoring in the backcourt. I think they really got going towards the end of the season when Fast Russell really started putting in work. Uh, Eric Ayala, leadership among with his scoring, also with his defense. But you, it means also losing pretty much the locker room as well in the transfer portal. We got a new coach, um, new system, hard-nosed coach, defensive-minded coach, a coach that um, has the grittiness and the, the toughness that will fit the league. But as far as the guys returning that, you look to the core of it, you look at Dante Scott, Akeem Hart, Julian Reese. I mean, all three of them are going to be in a more prominent role. Look at Dante Scott. He's, he had the green light, green light last year, but it wasn't all on him. He was more of like the he could I mean he could score when he wanted to in the sense of during the offense, but he's more of the third option behind the two guards. And it allowed him to be consistently inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And this year it won't be any room for that. It won't he's gonna have to be a double figure scorer, close to double figure rebounding. Hakeem Hart proved to be one of the better defenders in the league on the wing. He's gonna have to add a scoring punch. Last year is more Slash into the basket or catch and shoot three. He's gonna have to add a add a scoring dimension in this game. They got some of the best transfers in the league as far as guards. Got a guard from Charlotte, guard from Georgetown. They can both both score the ball, but Julian Reese has the skill set to be really good. It's just more about the I'll say the mental fortitude side of it and um, being able to stay in games, not foul, being able to not let players get in your head or whatnot, but. I think they could they could have a a season where you could turn things around and get it going for a new coach. 
No, I agree a ton of hundred uh, percent. And I think when you look at what Kevin Willard brings, you know, reading up on him a little bit, the reputation that he has is a guy that can squeeze every last ounce out of his players. And I think when you looked at Maryland last year, just from a from a cultural standpoint, um, you know, there there were time there were lapses, right, where um, effort. Um, commitment. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say commitment, but definitely effort, especially on the defensive end for how athletic they were, was a huge question mark. And you you touched on how Kevin Willard is a defensive coach. And one of the things I'm excited for is that Willard is really gonna pick up the pressure. You know, he's a he's a coach that likes to press. You know, Seton Hall, when they had some of their deeper teams, you know, they would get in that two-two-one press, um, try to make it a little bit of a helter-skelter type of game. So I'm excited, especially with their personnel. I think they have one of the more athletic lineups, um, especially when you look at their front court. Um, with Julian Reese, Akeem Hart, as you mentioned, is is a terrific two-way player that needs to be more aggressive offensively. Um, Dante Scott is a versatile player that can guard multiple positions. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch them on the defensive end because I know that's where Kevin Willard is really going to focus and harp on because they have the capability and they have the ability and the athletes to be a really good defensive team and to turn teams over and to get out in transition. Um, but it's just a matter, are they going to do it? And so with that, wanted to definitely touch on the two new transfers, uh, Jameer Young, fourth-year player, as Rayville mentioned, transferred from Charlotte, averaged – about 20 points per game, six rebounds, four assists. Um, so you would probably expect him to be the starting point guard uh, next year. And then obviously uh, Donald Carey, who is probably the, was the lone bright spot for Georgetown last year. <laughs> Average, yeah, Georgetown was whew, <laughs> 25. I mean, he, he was the lone bright spot. He averaged about 14 points per game, shot almost 40% from three. Um so you would you would expect, I would think, for them to kind of pick up from their loss. I, I would expect those guys to give you about twenty five to thirty points per game. Um, touching on, let's let's go back a little bit to the 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 big three that are returning, and, and let's let's start with Akeem Hart. What do you see from him? like the biggest area that he needs to grow specifically on the offensive end in order for him to be uh, a consistent offensive threat? I would say being able to play more East and West. Mm. If I had to put something to it, he can really drive a strong to his right hand, finish at the rim. The athletic guard can go dunk on you. Catch and shoot, is that's there for him. But I would say catching and putting on the ground, making a move, maybe getting to the basket, getting to the left hand, or getting into a pull-up, coming off a ball screen. I would say being more comfortable putting on the ground. Because you have him on the other opposite wing as a valuable option to put the ball on the ground, get to the basket, pull up for a jump shot, come off of a ball screen, get others involved. It just gives you a more balanced offense. And he's got the size and the ability. He knows the league. Right. <laughs> Not a lot of transfers coming to the league. You could average 20. You could be Cedric Russell coming to Ohio State, average 20 at your former school, and you just never adjust to the league. Right. And so you never know how long it takes to adjust to the Big Ten for those transfers. Even from Georgetown, it's still not the Big Ten. Right. So you think of Akeem Hart, defensively, 
his effort is always going to be there. But bottling that up and giving consistent, efficient effort offensively, being the guy that you can expect to be around 37, 38% from three, he's going to make around 47, 48% of his twos, 85% from the line and give you about 12, 14 points a game. I think that'll go a long way for him. Yeah, I agree 100%. 100%. And I think that another thing, like watching film on Hakeem Hart, you know, obviously like half of his shots were catch-and-shoot shots. So I agree. He's got to be able to put the ball on the floor. But one of the things I noticed watching him is that his ability to handle the basketball and create space is a lot better than I thought and remembered even from watching him play last year. But I noticed that his ability to finish through contact with his size, with his athleticism is probably not where it needs to be. If I'm Mm -hmm. being honest at this point. And I think that coming into this season, he has to be a guy that can break down his defender, which he can, Um, you know, he's got, he's got a bag to him, but he's got to be able to, you know what I'm saying? When he gets in there, have those packages of finishes, whether it be, you know, a little mid 10 foot mid range fade, whether it be, you know, a little hook, something in terms of his ability to finish, because a lot of times he would get in there and then it was just kind of like, he was a little bit out of control and just throw it up. And then, you know, obviously a shot like that as an offensive player can really throw off your confidence. Um, and it's more, it's like he's either right now is in a sense of it's either I'm going to get to the room, I can dunk it, dunk it. Yes. Or yeah. I'll be go catch and shoot three. Right. Everything else in between, it just needs to be tweaked a little bit. And right. it needs to be, I think the confidence needs to come out. The coaches need to bring it out. You don't have those two guards that were really ball heavy last year where you were forced to be the defender on the team. And when you got the ball, you were surprised at times. It's just more of something that is just going to be needed from him because this year, I mean, you look at the previous years, the, the bigs in the Big Ten were dominant. I right. think this is a year where the wings will come yes. more into play. And I think across the league, you're going to have to hold your own and go toe-to-toe with the best of them. For sure, especially with the transfer portal. I mean, we talk about uh, Wisconsin getting the Wofford transfer. Um, you know, so there was a lot of younger wings in the league last year that are going to be a year older, so I agree 100%. I'll start off with Dante Scott specifically. I, For me, I think the key for him is being confident in his three ball. You know, you yeah. look at his numbers last year, shot under 30% from three. I think as a pick-and-pop four, if you're not comfortable – knocking down that shot and the defense doesn't have to close out and respect you especially since Dante Scott doesn't you know isn't like a crazy athletic player right he's kind of a um you know he's not he's not he's not a leaper he's not overly quick you know he has a ton of skill but what I noticed is he comes off those pick and pops teams were, were closing out short and now all of a sudden you know he sees that and now he's automatically putting the ball on the floor it becomes predictable so i think for him the key in my opinion and I'll, I'll pass it to you is that he needs to be able to come off that pick and pop you know whether it's uh young or carry or Hakeem hart coming in that ball screen situation they throw it to him he's got to be able to knock down that three ball because that's going to open up not only everything for him but also for their offense because they need him as a pick and pop four for sure. Well, and I think it goes a step further than his offense. I think his his body language has to be better this year at all times. Can't be getting to it with the referees going back and forth. 
losing focus on really what's at hand. He's got to go hard the full game. I want to see him. I want to see him just play harder at times. At times he's out there, he's going hard, he's giving it his all. But then you see times where he's getting beat to rebounds, and like you're saying, he's already a below the rim type of guy as far as athleticism. You got to go hard when you're that type of player because offensively. You could switch the. I mean, you could flip the matchups, and you have a bigger guy on you at the four. You've got to be able to stretch him out, make the three. Even if you have a guard on you, like Purdue. Purdue, for example, they're gonna switch one through four. So you're gonna have times where he has a six footer that switches onto him. The only reason that matchup can be flipped is if you prove you can make the jump shot. They have to close out to you, and then you could make a couple dribble move, get him into the post, and finish at the rim. Right. If they're closing out short to you, you're never going to get that opportunity. But I think it um, – because the skill is there, the talent level is definitely there. He can make shots. I don't think his percentage is his shooting ability. I think it's more of taking good shots at good times, in rhythm shots, not because not shooting because you haven't shot in a while. I think Maryland got into that, got into that battle, and I've been on that type of team where – you have a shot in a minute, it's time to get you one. It's time you're not just going to watch everybody else shoot. So yeah. I think this year, the co- new coach, which is going to bring a new bowl of confidence, it should, but it also brings an added pressure. You're the guy, you're the upperclassman, everybody's looking at you, and you got a job. You got to put the bat- ball in the basket. You got to set the tone defensively. You got to play hard, and you got to rebound if you want your team not to be bottom of the league again. Because you got to – this Maryland's not a program that come into the league and has been bottom of the league. I mean, they came into the program, I think, my sophomore year. After my sophomore season, they were second and third in the league in their first year. Right. So their team and their crowd used to be full. They had that wall of fans. Like, if you think now, you see Rutgers now. Rutgers, the crowd and the atmosphere, that was Maryland then. And it was flipped. So I think he's got to be that guy's upperclassman to get the campus back excited about Maryland basketball because when it's going inside of there, when it's really rocking in there, it's a tough place to play. But it's only going to come from upperclassmen leading the charge. Yeah, now that's all I'm going to get into next before we we talk uh, Julian Reese is I think culture, right? You got – when you look at their personnel, you have Jameer Young, a transfer – um, hasn't won a ton at Charlotte, has had a ton of personal success, but hasn't won a ton. You look at Donald Carey, obviously, at Georgetown, last in the Big East. Um, Hakeem Hart, he's a fourth-year guy, uh, hasn't won a ton either. And then, obviously, Dante Scott, we just uh, spoke about. And then Julian Reese, a second-year guy. Um, so I, I think when you when you talk about Maryland, what Kevin Willard Kevin Willard's first job is is like to build an identity of like we are going to sacrifice for one another for the betterment of the team because I think right. there was a lot of that individual play last year your turn my turn you know there's not really kind of a a, a set structure or, or, or not, an idea of what we're doing on the offensive end of what we're trying to accomplish right that continuity so I think Kevin Willard will have you know, quite a task on his hands, building that and getting guys to play for one another, even though it's kind of a cliche thing on the offensive end, because they have all the talent in the world. Um, 
And so with that, you know, obviously Julian Reese, what are your thoughts, Rayfell, just kind of watching him last year, um, watching him, you know, obviously go through his ups and downs, you know, obviously he had different uh, bats with, you know, refereeing and, you know, getting into it with other players at certain moments, you know, where, where do you stand just, just kind of with Julian Reese and, and what are you looking for him this year? Uh, I mean, he's got to be, he's got to be more aggressive offensively, get to his, get to his uh, right hook over his left shoulder, get to his spots, get, get a left, left hook over right shoulder, be able to finish around a basket, be efficient, um, be a, be a room protector, be a guy that can block shots, can rebound at a high level. He, to me, from like I'm saying, from Maryland to win games, and from Maryland to be in the upper echelon of the of the Big Ten. I mean, nobody is starting their season saying we're gonna finish seventh to ten this year, fellas. Let's be a little bit better next year. Everybody has on their wall, let's win the league. And from Maryland to to realistically re- win the league, he's got to be a guy that's gonna get you ten rebounds a game, mm-hmm. ten rebounds, ten points consistently. He yeah. can't foul out of many games. He's got to be able to hold his own against Zach Eady, who's going to be an All-American. Hunter yeah. Dickinson is going to be an All-American. Trace Jackson Davis is going to be an All-American. So, you know what I mean? He's got to be able to go out there and play 30 minutes a game and flip the matchup between him and Zach Eady. Zach Eady may get him in the post on the possession. But he's got to be able to run the floor and not run Zach Eady so they can run and get one in transition and be able to make a 15-foot jump shots and – make players, make teams guard him. But if it's inconsistent this year and it's, I mean, I can't, for lack of better words, if it's immature and you're going to see that growth, Maryland's going to struggle because this isn't a league where you just can't have a no-show at your five and expect to win. You either got to have a combination at the five spot that can get you a double-double or have you a guy that can get you a double-double and, I think he has a skill set. I mean, I think he has the the toughness, the grittiness. It just got to be focused in the right area. I mean, you see his, you see the family pedigree. You see his sister. Right. I mean, she's a baller. She's a dog. She's just the absolute beast. Right. And I think he has that in him. It's just more about focusing in it and getting it out of him. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing, one thing I do like about Julian Reese is like, he wants all the smoke. Like yeah, he, not scared. <laughs> he is not scared. There, there are players that that we played against that we watched last year. They didn't want the matchup. Yeah. And Julian Reese is not like he got up to play against you know the Hunter Dickinsons, the Zach yep. Eadies. But like what you talked about, sometimes when you're so hyped and you're so uh, ready for those matchups, you know the. Yep. the I'm not going to say the mental part, but just like you're you're so amped that, you know, all of a sudden you pick up those two quick fouls. Right. Yep. So all of a sudden you, you you're so hyped that you travel on one of the on one of your post moves. And then yep. obviously that that affects your rhythm and your confidence. And so I, I love that about Julian Reese like that. If I if I had a player, I, I would want that problem as a guy who, who wants it, that is committed, who. Um, you know, is going to get up and not be scared of the big, you know, the the best bigs in the league, as you mentioned. And so I think that that's something that's going for him. And obviously he's not going to have to some, have to be looking over his shoulder, you know, with Wahab last year, you know, they split time. Yep. And then obviously yep. he kind of started to win that battle out a little bit towards the end of the year. Danny Manning was going with Julian Reese for longer stints of time. 
And I think that's ultimately why Wahab transferred. And so uh, I, I'm excited to watch him. I think he could be a guy that, you know, you, you mentioned those three bigs. I think he could be a guy that's the fourth best big in the league. And in the big yep. 10, you know, if you, if you have the fourth best big in the league in the big 10, you, you have an opportunity to be on the upper half of the standings. And, and I, I, I just like his skill set. I like his demeanor. I think, you know, obviously playing for a coach like Kevin Willard, who's going to be able to channel some of that energy, I think is going to be a huge bonus um, for him. But we can't, when you talk about Maryland basketball, especially last year, you can't go without mentioning their bench. 83% of their scoring last year came from their starters. Yep. And when you look at their bench, like, it is pretty empty. Um <laughs> I mean, it is, but there, there's opportunity. I, I will say this, even though it's an empty bench, if there was ever an opportunity for a freshman or for, you know, we'll, we'll I'll touch on some of the guys they have coming in, you know, to come in and step up and, you know, play some meaningful minutes and help a team win basketball games, like Maryland is the place. Like Indiana is not a place where you're going to come in right now as a three-star recruit and, and contribute. You know what right. I mean? You don't have to right. wait time at any Indiana you're gonna have to wait your time at a, at a place like Wisconsin or Purdue Maryland right now is not that place yep. and so when you look at some of the guys they have Ian Martinez who played three points per game uh 12 minutes per game was an energy guy not a scorer but but impacted the game with his athleticism and his length uh, when you look at um this kid they have coming in, Noah Bachelor, who can flat out shoot it. Um, I think another kind of underrated uh, kid that's going to be a freshman. Um, when you look at their roster, they don't have a ton of guys outside of Hakeem Hart who are just pure catch and shoot players. So right. I would expect for him to be a, be a guy that uh, that gets some minutes. And then uh, Patrick Emelin, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, is a transfer they have. 13 points per game at St. Francis, Brooklyn. Um, he's a he's a four-man, kind of an energy guy, I think a culture guy, so I, I really like that pickup. And then another guy um, that didn't play last year, kind of a mystery uh, player, Ike Cornish, four-star recruit uh, from the area, had a lot of hype, um, wasn't able to really see why he didn't play last year. Maybe he was just redshirting, but an extremely talented wing. Um so yeah, when you look when you go down that list, it's a lot of guys. You know, when you look at like Indiana's bench, you got Trey Galloway, you have uh, Geronimo potentially. You got established guys, right? Right. Might give you fifteen points or you know double doubles. You know, you you don't really have this um, for Maryland. But Rafa, what are you looking for from their bench? Is it scoring? Is it just energy is it you know when I list some of these guys obviously you know not a lot of people are familiar with them but what what do you think their bench has to bring for them to be successful this year they've got a I'm not even gonna say um they gotta just be consistent that's a word I think I'm gonna use a lot for Maryland this year be consistent be who they are as far as like a guy like Martinez play within yourself be an energy guy as far as getting steals just I mean just showtime dunks he will have. Be yeah. able to, he's got to be able to come in and make shots, though, on top of the dunks or whatnot, being able to make shots, make an open one. 
That's what the guys have coming off the bench. Make an open one, move the basketball, don't turn it over, cover your defense assignments, and be solid. You look at Wisconsin winning the league. That's a good Or point. even Illinois winning the league with minimal bench play. Mm-hmm. Guys that just could come in and be solid. Guys that come in and fill a role, match up well defensively. Agreed. I mean, both of those teams, I mean, I give you had All-Americans, first team All-Americans, but sometimes you need your bench to be solid. And I think with this Maryland team, you also need the bench to grow because these are your young guys too, some of them, to whereas you're looking at this past this season. Be consistent this year. Next year, you win some games. The next year, and then the next year, by the time some of these, fresh, some of these freshmen are seniors, it's a whole different program because they've had experience since they were freshmen. And there's really no um, – they're in the rebuild process. So I, I'm not looking for one of them to come in and average 16, 17 points a game, but I just would love for them to show consistency, show effort, show the ability to play hard, follow through with, with assignments, mm-hmm. and give what's needed every game. That was a great – the Wisconsin comparison. If, I, if I'm Maryland's coaching staff, I'm, I'm pointing to that when I'm talking to my bench. Like, just yeah. – their bench last year, Wisconsin, was just so – solid like never blew leads when they came in for those five six minutes you know like if wisconsin was up by seven per se like it was never like now all of a sudden wisconsin's losing because their bench came in their bench just came in they did their job they didn't mess up defensive assignments so i think that's a great analogy and a great uh example that i think maryland can use um for this upcoming season but um, so we'll get into predictions. Where do you see Maryland finishing up uh, this season? I'm I'm gonna make you give an exact number. I'm not. We're not gonna do the eight to let's, let's give an exact number of where you see Maryland finishing up this year. Hmm. I'm going. We're gonna throw out the window. I'll go a strong nine. Strong nine. I like it. I'll go a nine, maybe ten. I might go ten. Okay. That's um that's tough. But new coach, new situation. The returning players just gotta prove it to me. Just gotta show me. Just yeah. um the guys they have coming back in the leadership roles, especially the three guys returning to probably start for them. You see flashes of them each individual game for I mean in individual individual moments and individual games. But like I said, consistently inconsistent. And I think for them to win games, those three have to be big time, man. Right. You've seen them be big time in flashes, but they got to be big time, right? 30 minutes a game every night. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I, I would say 10 for me. Um, I think, though, I think this can be a building year because everybody on their roster right now has another year of eligibility after this year. You know, they have that, that COVID year. And so, in 23-24, you know, you're looking at a team with potentially, you know, a ton of Big Ten experience, um, high major experience, and a team that has, a t- you know, fifth-year seniors, fifth-year yeah. guys, old guys. You know, maybe this year is a year of just kind of building up that culture, um, learning how to play with one another. You know, it's tough to, to learn – how to play with one another in Big Ten basketball. Like, that is that is really challenging, especially Straight with up. a system, uh, a new style of play. Willard is going to want to push the ball and, you know, 
use their athleticism more than I think uh, Turge and, and Danny Manning did. So I, I could see this year kind of being that that stepping stone for them to finish in the top five in 2023-2024. So I, I don't think even if there's, there's not a ton of success, you know, I could see them finishing around the same, like 7-13, maybe 8-12. Um, you know, I, I would expect them the following year to probably finish in the top five with the talent that they have. If they can return it. No, I agree. You get the you get a coach, you give him a year on his belt, you give him the same talent coming back, more experience. I'm 100%. They got to use this year. I mean, there's no telling what they could do this year. They could go That's out there, cool. they could win a lot of games and surprise people, but you also got to build for what's ahead. And I think um, they're in a perfect position to do that. There's got to be trust on both ends. I mean, you see Maryland, see him see, lose trust in a coach before, and coach ends up leaving. So it's got to be he can trust them to go hard every game and probably out assignments. And they've got to trust the coach has their best interest at hand. And I think it'd be a happy relationship. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll have a ton of I think they'll have some some moments of success this year. You know, yeah, I, I think I think I think that middle, that lower middle end of the Big Ten is gonna be really tight. Yeah. So I think when you look at maybe from 10 to 6, there might only be like a couple games separating 10 yep. to 6. So if you can get in that mix, who knows what could happen? You know what I mean? Yep. In a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament, now all of a sudden you're in position to 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 get a bid. So it's like the 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 line is just really thin of like where where they could be. But I, yep. I got them at, at ten right now, um, a solid ten. But um, that concludes this episode. Next week we got Penn State. Definitely gonna have to do our homework, man, because they got almost a new team coming in. I believe four freshmen, three transfers. Um, they got some some of their core guys coming back. I'm looking forward to that episode because I'm excited um to see Coach Cruz second year under the helm of that program, getting some talent in. They got some really good transfers. Um, so looking forward to that episode. But that concludes the Maryland episode 2022-2023 preview. Uh, looking forward to talking Penn State. Hope you all have a great week. Excited for Big Ten season. Check us out next week. Mm-hmm.